0: We are grateful for the time you take to join us for these conversations.
1: It's kind of a flat ending, I got to (laughs) say.
0: Yeah. There will be music. There's the megacast.
1: No, no. no, no. There it is. The megacast.
2: (laughs) Wah, wah, wah,
1: wah. I mean, that's it? Like, that's all we get?
2: Well, what do y'all want to do?
3: We should sign off together. Y'all want to do? Like Jeff, you should Same. say, "Well, thanks, guys, for participating no, in the magazine. No, we should we, sign merry off Christmas, by everyone. singing,
0: "We wish you a merry Christmas." <laughs>
2: we should not do We wish you a merry Christmas. We wish you a merry Christmas. Yeah, no.
4: Well, welcome back to another episode of Weekly Tech, a technology and ethics podcast focused on navigating this digital age with wisdom. We've got a little bit of a crossover episode today, where we join the host of the ERLC podcast, Josh Wester, Lindsay Nicolay, and Brent Leatherwood along with the Capital Conversations team, Jeff Pickering, Chelsea Patterson-Soblick, and Travis Wuso, and then me from Weekly Tech. And now let's welcome everybody to the podcast.
2: Welcome to this 2020 wrap-up ERLC megacast episode. It's a crossover. Everybody's here. You can't see it, but Travis is currently dancing. Josh? Hey, Jeff
3: thanks welcome hey. uh, you know Good to join you on the megacast. So for those who don't know uh, we've been doing so many zoom calls uh, since quarantine started back in March that uh, we have gotten some really great zoom moves, including but no one can top travis's like upper body dances that we get to. Just sneak peek sometimes. It's just,
5: it's just a way of it's a way of con- conveying emotion and happiness while staying muted. Something like
0: You're that. You're already if breaking you- your 10-second rule, Josh. <laughs> and- <laughs> we gotta move on to the next person.
5: And if you missed it, Lindsay's
3: here with us too. Say hello.
0: Yes. Hi, I'm Lindsay. I'm a part of the ERLC podcast team. And I don't really know why I'm here except to keep some of these people in line. And I got a calendar uh invite. So I just click the link. <laughs>
1: Well, hey, faithful listeners to the ERLC podcast. It's Brent wishing you a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year, and I hope that you enjoy this squadcast. There, I said it, Jeff.
3: Brent has been waiting to say squadcast for weeks, ever since Jeff pitched this idea. Uh, Also with us on the podcast is the host of Weekly Tech, Jason Thacker.
4: Yeah, it's me, Jason Thacker from Weekly Tech. This (laughs) is fun (laughs) for me, because I don't get to do Zoom calls with you guys like this, so. That's
2: true. You just... You record Mono, Mono, uh, it's not Mono e Mono, it's just Mono. It's just Mono it's
1: just
4: a very solitary podcast. Hey, we have conversations now, okay? That's true, that's true. And one more. Save
6: the best, best for last. One more us. colleague,
2: <laughs> saving the best for last. Coming to you from her very fashionable closet.
3: From
6: my closet in D.C., Chelsea Soblik with the um, D.C.-based podcast podcast. Is yeah, that cheetah print? three out of the seven voices here the...
2: are in our prayer closets <laughs> uh, to record this episode. It is is
1: cheetah that cheetah print, print in the background? That's cheetah it print. Is.
2: All right. So we've, we've been wanting to do this megacast because we thought it'd be a great way to wrap up a year that uh, really, I think, uh, I don't think any of us are going to be sad to say bye to 2020. And I think uh, all of our listeners probably agree. But we're going to go through here and we're going to talk through some highlights. We're going to talk through some favorites then we're gonna do a Christmas lightning round at the end. We thought this would be a fun way to mark the Christmas season, the most wonderful time of a very difficult year, uh, but also mark what we've learned this year, uh, how we've grown in the Lord this year, and how we here at the ERLC have been able to serve you. So I I think how this is going to work. And again, we didn't we didn't have a dress rehearsal. There was no table read for this megacast. We're just we're just gonna see what happens. Uh, with our colleagues that are our friends. And so I think Josh, uh, you and I are going to kind of co-captain this this thing through. So let's get started here with the highlights. Yeah, man, let's
3: bring it on. So your uh, first question, and by the way, if uh, this is just going to be a real treat for listeners, the uh, the frenemy relationship that Jeff and I have hosting this year in podcast <laughs> together, uh, Travis, we're going to start with you. Like, what what are the most important? We're thinking big picture. What are the most important news stories from twenty twenty? What like spring's top of mind for you?
5: Well, you know, twenty twenty was an election year, so I mean, I, I think it would be tempting to sort of uh, look there first. There's a lot going on in terms of coronavirus and uh, everything else. But the the story that I wanted to uh, highlight here is uh, something that is happening on the other side of the world, and that is uh, really the fall of democracy in Hong Kong. This is something we've talked a lot about on Capital Conversations, and we've got a lot of resources on our website about this. But amidst everything that has been happening uh, in our world, Um, In Hong Kong right now, you have uh, Democratic, or I I should say pro-Democratic, members of the Legislative Council uh, being disqualified. Uh, You have uh, members of the media that are currently sitting in jail. Um, It is a really dire situation uh, in Hong Kong. We have many uh, friends and brothers and sisters in Christ um over there, who are really wondering what uh what their future is going to look like, and so you know I think in terms of you know the geopolitical stuff that we're we're working on, I think that's uh i mean it'd be tough to pick any story there's just so much that's happened this year, but I think a story that has flown a little bit under the radar but that has seismic implications for the future of the u s and Western relationship with China is what's going on in hong kong
2: i'll give that a I'll give that a retweet. I definitely think uh the fall of Hong kong is is one of the most important news stories of of 2020, but I'm curious what what else what else do y'all think Brent? What what about you? As you as you read widely every day, it, it feels like when I pull up Slack first thing in the morning, you've already shared a couple of news stories. So I'm sure you've got a lot uh, percolating. What, what do you think's the most important news story of 2020?
1: Yeah, I would say to touch a little bit on what Travis mentioned uh, is is just the rampant levels of distrust within society. Obviously, we saw this uh, come up within the the 2020 election, but it just seems everywhere, and it's it didn't subside just because we we have an election result. Uh, it's it's continuing, and it's not just here in America. We're we're seeing it uh, in other countries, and honestly, across platforms uh, in in uh, the technological world and digital world, and and that's. That's just crazy to me. and I guess at the same time though, we've still been able to accomplish uh, some really amazing things. I mean this this vaccine production and distribution has been in, an incredible achievement
5: in the midst of all this fracturing that we're seeing across society. Just to add one quick thing on on the distrust, I mean I, I think we've we've now have had another presidential election where public polling was so far off. You know, I, and I don't know if you guys feel the same way. I mean, any you know, so much of our news is you know X percent of Americans agree or disagree with this. I mean, I I think one of the challenges that twenty twenty presents to us moving forward is we don't even know what to trust about how people think. You know, how you know what what are American attitudes uh, like on on particular issues. So, I mean, I I agree with you, Brent. I think. I think the the distrust in our institutions, distrust in media, is um, is definitely one of the big stories this year, and I think is is going to present a real challenge moving forward.
3: Now that's really that's really good from both of you guys. And Jason, uh, since you know all things tech, like what 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 are we not thinking about in terms of big stories from the year on the tech front?
4: Yeah, I think in 2020, a lot of us are starting to wake up to the influence of technology in our lives. Uh, so many of us who have been a fortunate to be able to work remote are doing a lot of Zoom calls and a lot of digital connections. Um, And so we're seeing that influence, but we're also seeing it through social media and a breakdown of civil trust and our institutions and the nature of truth. But then we're even seeing it on the international front to kind of piggyback off of the uh, things happening overseas in Hong Kong and China, even in Russia and Iran and Belarus. We're seeing this increasing role of technology in our lives. And I think in some ways, 2020 was a good wake up to the influence and the role of technology in our lives, and something that we need to think deeply about, and that's what we try to do on Weekly Tech. That's really good. All right, so
2: Lindsay, I want to come to you next as we are thinking about uh, the ways that ERLC has served uh, our churches, our convention, uh, and and served the the broader country in a in a really difficult year. Um, you know, it's kind of one of those. I was just asked by a friend, like, "How's work been this year?" And I said, "Well, it's." It's funny here at the end of December thinking about January and all the plans we had for the year and how pretty much none of them materialized, but we still did a lot of really meaningful work. So, I'm curious as you're is you're someone who has your eye on all of the resources that are that are coming out at erlc.com. What do you think is the most meaningful ERLC resource from the year that you'd like to recommend folks check out?
0: Yeah, well, uh, first of all, I have to say we'd be remiss if top 2020 news stories, we didn't say the word coronavirus, because, you know, true, it overtook 2020. It was
1: a a bit of a a big story throughout the year, wasn't it?
0: (laughs) Just a little bit. (laughs) Um, But so a really important resource that, as we're recording, has not been released yet, but should drop by the end of the year is uh, an issue of Light Magazine that the comms team has been working on. And Light Magazine is our uh, biannual magazine, so we do two issues a year. This issue for the winter season, again, the comms team has been working on it, but with Shout outs to Jen Kintner and Travis Wusso for their invaluable work um, on this issue. And it's titled Hidden in Plain Sight A Call to Bring Hope and Help to Victims of Abuse. And this issue highlights the work that many have been doing regarding um, exposing the evils of abuse that take place in our society, but in our churches. And it highlights the work that uh, churches are called to press on in doing. We are going to hear from, we're going to hear testimonies from some brave men and women who have shared their stories in order to help other people. We're going to get um, practical tips from experts on how to protect our children, how to protect our churches, and uh, we're going to read some material from Becoming a Church That Cares Well for the Abuse Curriculum in order to make our churches safe from abuse and safe for victims.
3: That's really good, Lindsay. And that that work is probably one of the most important things the ULC has been involved in uh, in many, many years. Speaking of great resources that the ULC put out this year, Chelsea, what comes to mind for you?
6: Yeah. So um, one of the resources that has just really stuck with me since I I viewed it is the Pearl Brown documentary that the the team pulled together. It's about a twenty minute documentary on. The story of Pearl Brown, when her parents um, found out that her brain was not properly formed and they uh, made the the decision to choose life for her, um, even though her life on Earth was short, um, they got to to love her. And um, the, the documentary is incredibly um, powerful as it highlights the importance of um, each life having dignity and value and worth. And again, it's, it's on our website. It's about 20 minutes. It really has stuck with me and I've thought about it often. And so I would point our listeners to that documentary.
3: And that documentary is definitely worth checking out if you haven't. Uh, It's just uh, an incredible story of Pearl Brown and her family and, uh, there, her family is actually from my hometown in, in Rocky Mountain, Eastern North Carolina. So just throw that out there any chance I get. Uh, okay, so thinking about 2020, it's a year. We've said it many, many times that that we can't wait for it to be over. But before we move on entirely, uh, what are some things that we're grateful for? Jeff, we'll start with you. Like What, what are you grateful for in this terrible year
2: so Josh I, I I want to answer the grateful question but but first I do want to highlight one more resource that was super meaningful to me this this fall and it it represents our work here in in Washington uh, in, in a way that's in a way that you know I think I think the other two resources which are just absolutely fantastic that Chelsea and Lindsay highlighted represent our work serving our churches kind of all throughout the nation and that is dr. Moore's newsletter more to the point specifically the newsletter he sent on November 16th titled uh, or the or the lead Article uh, was titled "Looking for Truth in Post-Election America," and you know there there was some conversation earlier on. Brent mentioned, uh, and and Travis spoke to it as well. Just the the lack of uh, the lack of social cohesion, the lack of public trust, and I think what Dr. Moore did a really great job of in in the immediate aftermath of the election uh, was was really pointing out how. It's not just it's not just a matter of the political horse race, who won, who won, where and why there was truly a um, a sense of, well, there were a lot of politicians recognizing who won the presidential election, but then not saying it publicly for a long time. Um, that is that is not good uh it is not good for uh our our country for uh for the future of public policy uh conversations that we're having and we're still in the middle of that here at the end of december uh in in many ways and and here let me let me just read uh let me just read this sentence and then I'll move on to what I'm what I'm grateful for uh again this is from looking for truth in a post election america uh from our our president russell moore's newsletter quote our problem now though is that increasingly, we are called not just to argue about what is true, but to say things that we know to be false, just to prove that we are part of the tribe to which we belong. The reason I think that's so important, not only for for politics and the state of our democratic republic, but it's also important for the big conversations that we have like conversations over gender as well. I mean, you see this on the right maybe with politics right now that we say things that we might know to be false, but I think you see it on the left with with moral relativism and and people saying things that that they that they know to be false just to again prove that they're part of of the tribe on that side. So, this is I think a big topic of Christian responsibility in the public square moving forward and I really wanted to highlight that resource. In terms of what I'm grateful for, I'll be brief here. I am grateful for my local church. Uh, I'm a member at Capitol Hill Baptist Church in Washington, D.C. There are a lot of things about my church that are unique and quirky. And I think, you know, that's that's understating it a bit, Jeff. That's understating it. (laughs) We are probably uh, in the in the top five unique churches in the United States of America. But what I what I've so appreciated is we've been able to gather outside, even at times under a pavilion while it rains. And just being with our church family in the ways that we can to stay safe, um, but uh, to still even just for 60 minutes on a Sunday afternoon in a field uh, has been incredibly grounding and meaningful. And in a lot of ways, you don't know how precious those those bits of God's grace in your life are until they're gone. And we lost them this year. So yeah, that's something that, that I am immensely grateful for is my
5: local church. Uh, Travis, what about you? Yeah. So this, you know, this, this has been a tough year for everybody who has small kids. Our uh, kids go to school in DC. Our school has been closed since March. We've been doing virtual learning uh, such as it is since then. Um, But I think one one of the things that I'm really grateful for looking back on this year is how this year has brought our family closer together and how it has really strengthened my relationship with my kids at you know, at a time when ordinarily they would begin asserting some independence from us. My two girls are in fourth and, and second grade. And, you know, I mean, the, the independence is coming. I mean, they're, you know, my, my oldest is a, is, is, on the verge of being a tween. Um, so pray for us, but, um, but she's been on the verge of that for, for me. <laughs> that's, <true. laughs> that's true. That's true. That's true. But, um, yeah, I mean, I I have to say, I mean, as as hard as it's been to have you know two working parents and two learning kids inside our you know little condo in Northwest DC, I am so grateful for you know the the moments that uh, that I've gotten to have with them. And I've, I was telling Katie though the day I, I was I had gone into the office uh, to uh, to work there, and you know after a full day, I just realized like how much I missed being around them. You know, just like their little interruptions and you know just little cute stuff. So. You know, I think, I think the you know this year I has has given me a new gratitude for what what we have. Our kids are are just awesome, and um, I'm really grateful for them.
3: Man, that's really beautiful, Travis. And uh, before we move on from this, Jason, what is something you're grateful for this year?
4: Yeah, some listeners may or may not know, 2020 has been an extra interesting year for our family just because of a cancer diagnosis and a lot of chemo and a lot of medical uh, issues in the family. And so to kind of echo what Travis was saying too, 2020 has been one of the years that's been one of the most difficult, uh, not only professionally and also personally, um, but in terms of our family, it's been a really sweet time really being able to grow up in many ways and watch my kids grow up right in front of me where I was out of the office, I was downtown and being able to be at home and do those things with them and kind of have those moments. It's just a reminder of God's grace and His sustaining presence even in the midst of extremely difficult and divisive years to know that God's plans aren't thwarted. Uh, God's plan, he wasn't caught off guard by 2020 as much as many of us were. And so I think that's just a good reminder in the midst of a really hectic year that our God is still good and our God is still reigning. He's on his throne and none of this caught him by surprise. That is a really good word, Jason.
0: This episode of the ERLC podcast was sponsored by The Good Book Company, publisher of Searching for Christmas by J.D. Greer. Meet the awesome God at the heart of the familiar Christmas story. This book is perfect for giving to unbelieving friends and family this Christmas. Find out more at thegoodbook.com. All
2: right, now we're going to move into a section where we talk about uh, our our favorite things from this year. So we're going to talk books, TV shows, maybe even get into a little bit of uh, journalists that people should be be following. Uh, So let's start off here at the top with Books and let me just say this for for everybody here on the Megacast, jump in if you like that somebody you know if you agree that a book was great say that if you think their TV show is terrible say that too. Uh, let's uh, let's <laughs> see if we can get some sparks flying. That'll, that's always interesting for listeners. So <laughs> let's let's get started out here. What uh, what book uh, Brent? I know you want to answer this one, so I'll start it with you. But then feel free anybody else to jump in. What book Brent did you read this year that impacted you the most?
1: Well, this kind of goes along with you know the the thing that I'm seeing across society that that distrust that's out there, and for me, far and away, the best book of 2020 was Yuval Levin's "A, a Time to Build." Uh, I just thought, gosh, what what a book that landed exactly at the right time that it was needed to speak into much of that fracture that we're seeing across society, and I think the. The, the subhead actually captures why I think it's so great. From family and community to Congress and the campus, how recommitting to our institutions can revive the American dream. I, I think institutional life uh, can play such an important role in restoring trust across our society. And, I mean, Josh and Lindsay know this on our podcast. I've, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Anytime Yuval Levin uh, writes something, you need to read it, uh, because it is it is incredibly helpful and insightful. I think for the times that we live in, I'll retweet that. That was an excellent
5: book this year. Recent guest also... on Capital Conversations podcast. Yes, it
6: was great. Jeff, to to jump in, I have two books I want to highlight, and one will be no surprise to anyone who has read a top ten book list in the Christian world but that book is um gentle and lowly and it really is worth being on everyone's um top 10 list it really ministered to my heart a lot this year um and then another book it does not
2: on gentle and lowly on gentle and lowly I was gonna buy it for everybody in my family this year and it's our it's out is of it sold stock.
6: out it's so. It's good. out of stock
2: on Amazon, on Crossway. It's out of stock everywhere. It was like at one Barnes and Noble that was an hour and a half for me, and I, I decided I couldn't do it. Um, <laughs> but yes, incredible book. What's the second one?
6: Um, The second one is a book called A Hobbit, A Wardrobe and a Great War by Joseph LeCante. I think I'm saying his last name correctly, but it is about um, the life of C.S. Lewis and the cultural influences, um, obviously, of the war on his life and how you see that show up in his writing. And it was just I listened to it, but it was just absolutely delightful. And I really, really enjoyed that one.
2: I love that. It looks like everybody's going to answer here. So let's go to you, Lindsay, next.
0: Well, I was just going to say, I'm going to speak up for all the regulars here on the podcast make them feel right at home. Well, actually, let me just say, I bought Gentle and Lowly for my husband, but actually it probably was so that I could read it. <laughs> so if I put it in a stocking and figure that make a good stocking stuffer. Uh, you know what? I've just been over here immersed in spy novels because... I don't have brain power for much currently, so I've been reading Daniel Silva novels, spy novels. I think I'm on number eight. There's like 21. Uh, (laughs) That's awesome. I feel like I'm in good company because Dan Darling, the infamous Dan Darling, uh, Marvin Olasky, and Albert Moeller all enjoy them. So- you
2: know. So you just need a sweater vest, too, and then osmosis. the four of y'all could be yeah. the modern-day yeah. Inklings <laughs>
3: with your
5: spy novels and sweater vests. Mm-hmm. A fun fun spy novel to add to your list is a book called uh, Spies of No Country that tells the story of uh, Mossad before it really was Mossad, written by um, one of my good friends and, and also past Capital Conversations uh, guest, Mati Friedman. So Mati Friedman, oh, yeah, Spies of No sure. Country, it's a great book. And Man, it's a, I'm and it's a loving novel.
2: all of the I'm loving all of the episode plugs that Travis is getting in here. <laughs> um, hello. It looks like we have a new director of marketing. Uh, Jason, let's come to you next. And then uh, and then, Josh, you can round us out with your favorite book.
4: Yeah, I'm going to shift gears a little bit from some newer books to a really old book, actually, that came out in the 1960s um, of all things on technology. I know I hosted a weekly tech podcast, so I talk about technology all the time and Josh makes fun of me all the time for it. Um, But it's a book called The Technological Society by a a French philosopher named Jacques Ellul. And that might sound super boring. It seems like maybe a book from the 50s and 60s would have nothing to say about a lot of the modern technology and the debates that we're having over the breakdown of civil discourse and public trust and the ways that technology is changing us. But in 1964, he's writing – and it's, it's just incredible. These old books on technology have so much to teach us today. And I have to warn listeners that it is a fairly dense book. Um, and it's also, if you get the paperback edition, it's actually pretty difficult to read because the text is so small. Um, but if you can find <laughs> an old hardback copy, it is an incredible work. And it's going to take a long time to get through it, and that's okay. But he really starts to peel back. And some of the things he's saying in 1960, you're like, he's actually talking about Twitter and the Internet. And those things, but he's not, he's just talking about technology, even in the 1950s and the way that it's shaping and changing us. All right, Josh, what about you? Finish us off here. What book impacted you the most this year? What
2: impact, like what was the impact of the books that you read this year on, on your soul? Like how, how much did it impact you?
3: Yeah. Thanks for that. So several things all at once. Number one, uh, impact is a noun, not a verb. Two, uh, Jason, <laughs> I love your setup for this. is a big old book, and I know it might sound boring, but it's going to take you a long time to read it because it's boring. But that's okay.
5: Uh, that don't get the paperback version because <laughs> the font is too small. Well, and it's a really old book from the nineteen sixties. Right. I didn't, I didn't want to tease him.
6: Y'all too much are really that. good at selling.
5: <laughs> and
3: then, um, and also, I didn't know we retweet on podcasts, but I will go ahead and retweet the gentle and lowly recommendation. It was the book that made my best things of the year uh, list. And look. My favorite book this year—it's kind of hard to choose—but my favorite book this year was another book on politics. It came out, uh, I think, earlier in the year, maybe in the spring, by David Van Drunen, and it was—it's uh, called "Politics After Christendom," and it is a really, really helpful look at both uh, political philosophy and also. Some of the practical issues about politics, from not just a Christian perspective, but like a, a very solidly grounded theological perspective on these issues. And so, if you are looking for a a good read on politics and Christianity, "Politics After Christendom" is is where you should go.
4: Yeah, that book really impacted me as well. It was it's a really good one. I'll retweet that one. <laughs> nice. It left an indelible
2: impression on me.
4: I didn't. I, I retweeted
2: I, a lot of you. Sorry, go ahead, Travis.
5: Well, I, yeah, I was going to say I didn't get sure. I didn't get sure my book. I just was offering an additional spy novel uh, for uh, yes, li- true, for Lindsay. True. But and and I must confess, I'm not quite done with this yet. But uh, the new biography on James Baker, I'm knee deep in it right now, and it is fantastic. Very similar. I mean, it's and and I I think part of my takeaways is similar to what we were talking about earlier with Yuval Levin. I mean, Baker is. It, just a classic institutionalist. And, you know, so seeing the way that he operated, uh, seeing the way that um, uh, he made things happen in DC is, uh, is uh, it's a fantastic book. And I should say, I, you know, I am a proud Texan, but I learned a ton about the history of Houston that's in that book as well. It's a, it's a fantastic read. Brent was telling me just yesterday to buy that book.
1: Yeah, we've talked about it on the ULC podcast like three weeks in a row. Absolutely. And I just want to just say, so I think we've spent a substantial portion of this uh, podcast talking about our favorite books, and that makes me want to amend my comment about what this should be called. It shouldn't be called Squadcast. This should be called Nerdfest.
5: Nerdfest. <laughs> uh, so, so yeah, there That's you go. So true. So true. <laughs>
2: All right. Well, well. To get us out of of Nerdfest, uh, let's move on to favorite favorite podcast. Because everybody can enjoy podcasts Because everybody, everybody can listen to something and 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 enjoy uh, bite sized news or deeper dive news. Uh, it kind of depends on which way you go with with a podcast. Um, so I'm curious if, if everybody here has a favorite podcast, maybe just a couple speed things along Brent coming to you first. What, what podcast are you most enjoying these days?
1: Jonah Goldberg's the remnant. If you appreciate both intellectual
2: curiosity and irreverent humor. (laughs) <laughs> uh, Chelsea, looks like you had your hand raised. Podcast.
6: Oh, I was fist pumping what, what, what Brent had said. But I'm going to do a repeat of what I said last year because I'm still enjoying the Office Ladies podcast.
0: It's just <laughs> nice. wonderful. So nice. great. It's funny. Well, I'm over here in the shallow end once again, and I really love the Crime Junkies podcast. <laughs> I just it's something about true crime. Is it know. called I'm the crime?
6: And <laughs> I, I should have joined the
0: CIA or something. Just call me Sydney <laughs> Bristow, but yeah. spy novels, yeah. crime. <laughs> yeah. So hey, anyway,
1: that's, that's not the show end. I mean, Jonah Goldberg will will go on for thirty minutes yeah. about volcano lancing technology from space. So <laughs> yeah, I, he, he had an the, entire
2: you know, his election week episode was just about canine uh canine biology and dna of dogs cuz he's a big he's a big dog guy uh i'll I'll throw out uh the Jamie Weinstein show is an excellent podcast mainly because it's just a long form interview and he is I've learned a lot about how to interview folks from him. I mean, the preparation that he brings to every interview is just amazing. So, and and he tries to interview everybody across across the political spectrum in DC,
4: and it's always a fascinating conversation. Well, I'm going to be true to form here and talk about The again. Weekly
3: Tech Podcast. That's there you go. that's the recommendation.
4: No, definitely not going to self-promote like that, Uh, but there's a a new podcast called In Machines We Trust uh, from Technology Review, and they talk about a host of different technologies and kind of how we become in many ways dependent um, on these technologies and the way that they're kind of impacting issues of facial recognition and policing and surveillance all the way down to AI ethics and different things. It's a really, really fascinating podcast and extremely well done.
3: Yeah, I was just giving Jason a hard time there about uh, his podcast. But for real, you should check it out, especially if you are a Christian who's interested in issues of technology. Jason, with his uh, new podcast that does uh, covers all things tech and a lot of like great interviews, it's definitely worth your time. One more to recommend to you would be uh, if you are a political nerd or if you are curious about uh, maybe like some legal history, and maybe that's no one listening to the podcast, but uh, there's a podcast that Radiolab did that is just excellent called More Perfect. I don't know if you guys have talked about it on the Capital Conversations podcast before. It's a great, but it is it is so well done, and uh, you learn about the history of these like landmark Supreme Court rulings, many of which you don't, you probably never have heard of before. But it is certainly worth checking out. Um, okay. So moving on from podcast, there's some good, uh, recommendations. We're going to talk about, you know, most of us again, politics nerds, uh, political junkies. We get a lot of morning newsletters with, uh, news and culture rundown. So who who has a favorite, uh, newsletter, Jeff, we'll kick it back to you. What's, what's your favorite?
2: Well, you, you set me up and now I'm going to, now I'm going to sound silly cause it's not politics. It's not government. It's not policy related, but it is from Axios. Uh, and that is Axios sports newsletter, I have learned so much about uh not only what's happening uh in uh in, in, in different different sports leagues throughout the year as COVID changed everything. Uh, so bite-sized news up at the top, really, uh, really smart writing uh, by Kendall Baker. But also, uh, he usually has some sports history down at the bottom of his newsletter. So it's a nice reprieve in my inbox from the TikTok of Washington, D.C. So that's Axios Sports. I'm a big fan of all of Axios's newsletters. But uh, I, I always find time uh, to read Axios Sports newsletter.
6: And speaking really of Axios, we have had... Bethany Allen Ibrahimian, who writes the China <laughs> newsletter on our podcast.
5: Man, sounds like man. people are going to think go. I'm paying y'all
2: to, uh, <laughs> to uh, market the Capital Conversations podcast here on the Megacast. But uh, yeah, that's another
5: good one. Uh, Travis, newsletter recommendation. What do you got? Uh, for me, it's easy. It's uh, Jonah Goldberg's Friday G-File. I look forward to it every week. It's the way that I finish my week. I sit and... My wife can tell when I'm reading it because I'm just, I, I get in a cozy chair and I just sit and howl in laughter uh, for 30 minutes as I enjoy every sentence of that newsletter. It's, it's the best coda for the week possible. If you don't know us personally, but would, but,
2: you know, would like to have an image of, of Travis reading the G-File, I would just look up Ron Swanson's laugh. And that's <laughs> kind of what I imagine I imagine Travis doing as he's reading the G-File. Uh, Jason, do you have a newsletter to recommend?
4: Yeah, there's one that I subscribed to earlier this year called um, The Economist Espresso. It's their morning newsletter that they come out. And for me, it's this bite-sized, like two or three sentences about an event that's going on. And it helped me to get a broader perspective on the entire world. Because I think often in the West, we think about Western developments and Western news, which are important. But we often forget that we have brothers and sisters and there are human beings across the world who are dealing with very different situations. And so that little newsletter has been really, really helpful for me just to kind of get an overview of some of the bigger things and get it from an outside of a uh, U.S. perspective of some of the things that even happening in the United States. And so it's been a really, really helpful. It's the Economist Espresso. I love that.
0: As 2020 comes to a close, we're thankful for the role we've been able to play in your lives. We're thankful that we get to assist churches by helping them apply the gospel to moral and ethical questions of the Christian life, and by speaking from our churches as a witness to the public square. This podcast is one of the many ways we do this. If you've benefited from the content shared on this podcast, would you please consider making a year-end donation? We're supported by the cooperative program of the Southern Baptist Convention. But any individual donations we receive, apart from that, goes to placing ultrasound machines in pro-life pregnancy centers and advocating for religious liberty and human dignity here at home and across the globe. Please consider making a year-end donation at erlc.com backslash donate.
2: All right. And now we're going to round out this mega cast with a Christmas time lightning round. This is the most wonderful time of the year. Uh, again, this is, this is a year in 2020 that I think uh, I have, in some ways, the whole year has been like Advent waiting for uh, this most wonderful time of the year and then for the year to be over and to start 2021. So I thought it'd be fun here uh, for us as colleagues. To have to have the kind of banter that turns coworkers into friends here at the end, as we talk about Christmas time. So we're going to do a lightning round. We've got an order here. Uh, Everyone is going to answer every one of these questions. It's a little bit of this and that. A little bit of hey, what was Christmas like in in your home growing up in your family? Uh, So everybody's going to answer. Let's give short answers. No qualifications. Um, You know, the only thing that we'll have time for here in the Christmas lightning round is laughter in case uh, in case the the Christmas tradition that you mentioned, um, you know, you're on an island or something like that. So that'll be fun. So without further ado, let's get into the Christmas lightning round.
4: First question, fake tree or real tree? Definitely fake for our family. We have two kids under four. I'm not cleaning that mess up.
0: <laughs> real.
4: Real for sure. Definitely fake. Real fake wow real we're
2: kind of split right down the middle wow. that's amazing just like america mr christmas um, brent leatherwood went with the fake tree yeah that was kind of surprising to me brent well, i figured all, you'd be out <laughs> chopping down your own well tree. it's just because we
1: have three of them and so i you oh. know yeah just artificial oh. trees uh
0: that's a, but three that's Christians a flex that right anyway. there
1: <laughs>
2: that is a flex huge flex all right so let's let's talk outside lights are they clear or are they colorful
4: the lights on the outside of our house right now are clear, and that's just, one, because of what we had, and two, we do like the simple and kind of classy Christmas.
3: Those are qualifiers. Those yeah, are qualifiers. those are a lot of qualifiers, <laughs> Very, Very heavily qualified.
5: Right. <laughs> <laughs> Chelsea, clear or colorful? Clear. For us, it's clear, but we've lived in apartments and condos for the last five years, so we, we don't have an outside. My kids keep asking, when are we going to live in a down house, by which they mean a house on the ground floor that actually touches the ground. <laughs>
4: Hey, that's a qualifier. That, I did qualify. Selection. I did qualify, sorry. Uh, clear.
0: It's so hard not to qualify. Clear.
4: His
1: blood is cleansed me white as snow, and so therefore oh, you choose clear lights.
0: Jesus
3: oh, there's a Jesus, there's <laughs> Jesus, All right, well. Uh, you just broke, my, you so just
2: broke my Christian ankles. <laughs> we do clear lights, um, but Brent is especially going to love this next question.
4: Staying outside, do you have inflatables or a manger as decorations or neither? We just have clear lights outside the house, so we don't have any playables. <laughs> even though my kids want them desperately right now. Neither would have sufficed. <laughs> Sean Connery. <laughs>
6: we live in an apartment, so neither.
2: Neither.
3: And don't no have a yard. Lights,
6: for the record,
1: <laughs> haven't had a yard in five years, neither. Just candles in the windows. That's
0: classy. Yeah. Have a yard, neither.
1: Brent, do you guys have anything? No, neither. We don't want to have to deal with finding uh, a stolen baby Jesus. <laughs>
2: Uh, oh I'm at God. my parents' house for for uh, for right now for Christmas, and they just put up a manger. Um, all right. So next question: What is your favorite Christmas song?
4: I wish I had a good one, but the only one that comes to mind is my kid has been singing Jingle Bells nonstop, so I'll just run <laughs> with that one. All right.
6: Uh, so many, but I think my favorite is Oh Holy Night.
5: Um, Oh Holy Night, but I think I think I might have said this last year, but I also really. It, it's not Christmas for me unless I've listened to uh, Sufjan Stevens' version of "O Come, Thou Fount." I'll just
3: go with silver bells. Oh my word! Silver, silver bells,
0: bells. <laughs> and <laughs> jingle bells. <laughs> okay. Yikes! <laughs> um, God rest ye merry gentlemen.
6: That's good. Okay.
1: Old school. I'm I'm going with "I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day." I love that song.
4: Well, right, I was inspired with... by everyone, so I'm going to qualify mine and now say the Trans-Siberian Orchestra Christmas. It is just pretty amazing. Wow, the whole album.
2: Nice. The whole yeah, the album. Whole I'm going to say, Oh, Come All Ye Faithful by Johnny Swim. Their version is incredible. All right. Sticking with Christmas music, which song is worse? The Christmas Shoes or Mary Did You Know? I think
4: Mary had a little Mary had a little lamb. She had a little lamb.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, he was, he is, not was, he is the lamb of the world.
3: Mm, he did. Mary had a little lamb. How about that?
4: <laughs> I was going to say, Mary, did you know, is not as bad of a song as everyone likes to make it out to be. All right. So your Christmas shoes, you think that one's. Why not? All right.
6: A million percent Christmas shoes.
0: That's... Yeah, I, I agree with
4: Jason. Christmas shoes.
6: Oh, man.
4: Yeah. will just make it
2: unanimous.
0: I like them both. So no. I want to buy no. these shoes. <laughs> Lindsay, <for my> mama,
2: <laughs> Lindsay do you really like those songs? It wouldn't be a yes, hilarious podcast really if she I, didn't sing. Have you so. seen the movie? Oh my, oh my goodness. <laughs> no,
0: I haven't seen okay. the movie, but There's a movie? Yes, with Rob Lowe. Listen, you if oh you need gosh. a good cry, you just listen to that song and feel it deep in your soul. There's enough
2: to cry about this year without listening to Christmas shoes. Brent, <laughs> what about you? Which one do you think is worse? I'm I'm fully never Christmas shoes. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to go ahead and make that unanimous. All right, let's speed this up a little bit. Uh, Snow, do you love it or hate it? Love it.
6: I I don't know. Depends. (laughs) Love
4: it. Unbelievable. Love it. I'll go on an answer for Brent. He definitely loves snow.
0: Only people that haven't had to shovel snow persistently love snow. I love the look of it. Lindsay, you lived in
3: Florida and then moved to the Great White North. That's your problem. And I don't mean to see. I mean, like, where was it? Michigan?
0: Minnesota? Michigan.
2: Yeah,
3: where
0: it
2: snows from, like, October to May.
0: Lots of snow.
2: Brent, love it or hate it? I mean, for me, snow is
1: from the devil. Do we even know, Brent? Yeah. I I mean, (laughs) if it's not 90 degrees, something's wrong. So...
2: Yeah, I'm going to hard disagree. I love snow. I love it a lot. It is so much fun. Um, and speaking
5: of fun, favorite Christmas movie? Jason, you're These first. So You've been first this whole time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Jason, I'm gonna I might go have for to elf. take you out I was of the driver's seat.
4: I'm going to say Elf. Uh, my boys are starting to like it, and Dory and I always love to get a good laugh out of it.
6: <laughs> uh, the Holiday is my favorite.
5: Die Hard, no doubt. Oh, yes.
3: Boo. Die Hard. Definitely a Christmas movie. Boo.
4: We're watching it. Mean, we're watching it tonight. For Brent and say, no, no more answers, Jason. <laughs> well,
0: and it's no one's going to answer
4: for Brent. No, he ju- loves the Hallmark movies. Those you are jump in favorite, for Brent, but
0: it's not Brent's turn. It's my turn, and then Brent.
4: <laughs> yeah, go for it, Lindsay. What's your favorite Christmas I, movie?
0: I can't. It's so hard. I can't not qualify. So I have to name a couple. Okay, just real quick. Um, I, we just finished the other two Die Hard movies, and those are really fun. Also set during. Christmas, Uh, and then A Boyfriend for Christmas. That used to be my dream, and now it's come true.
6: Aww. (laughs) I've
0: never heard of that movie. (laughs) It's Hallmark. It's totally cheesy, and I love it.
2: Favorite
1: Christmas movie is National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Solid choice. I have a tradition
2: of watching on Thanksgiving night each year. Excellent. Uh, I'm going to go with The Santa Claus, Tim Allen. Also love, great. Love that movie. Great movie. Um, all right, here. Uh what is what is your favorite Christmas dessert? And we can we can expand dessert to be, you know, just Christmas sweet. So like a sweet thing that you eat doesn't have to be at the end of the meal.
4: But uh but uh, favorite Christmas dessert or Christmas sweet. I'll say that my mother makes this really great uh chocolate fudge and I always dream about it at Christmas because she made it every year.
6: I like anything peppermint, but I'm not a big dessert person. Like, I could pass on dessert, but I like peppermint.
5: Uh, it's going to be my mom's rock twice, the Chelsea. Chelsea.
3: Nice. I'm just going to say a New York strip, which is not a dessert, <laughs> but we don't do dessert. We just eat steak, and it's great. Nice.
0: Uh, let's go with puppy chow because I just made some. Mm. And it's good.
3: That's like human food? Yeah. What kind of trash do you like, Brent? <clears throat> <laughs>
1: Well, it used to be my mamaw's uh, Coca Cola salad, uh, but y'all probably don't know what that is. Oh, uh, that but sounds
2: disgusting. We're gonna need a qualification <laughs> for that one. We, we can we can bend the rules. <laughs> Your mama's Coca Cola salad. Yes. Well, since since uh,
1: she passed away and went to meet Jesus, there's nobody can actually make it uh, like she did. So, uh, but instead, my my parents have kept on the tradition of meeting her chocolate pie, which is easily my favorite thing to eat at Christmas.
6: Wait, what's in the Coca-Cola? Hold on, salad? but we need
2: to know what's in
1: the Coca-Cola oh, yes. salad. Oh, it's like a it's like a cranberry salad, but with with Coca-Cola in it. It's it's fabulous. It's one of the best things I've ever put in my mouth.
2: Doesn't it get flat, or do you just like top it off with each new bowl? <laughs>
1: no, because there, there's like a Jello consistency that holds it together. I mean, honestly, I can't even describe it. It's just so good. Yeah,
2: it's not getting better.
1: Yeah, it sounds really um, delicious.
5: <laughs> Be sure and send it. We'll put the recipe in the show notes. <laughs> uh
2: my favorite Christmas dessert is a tradition my mom started uh I don't even know when, but uh, she makes agape trash is what it's called. And it is like pretzels and checks and peanut, M&Ms, uh all with this white chocolate glaze. It is amazing. I made it with her for is, the first time this year. Is
0: that your mom's way of sanctifying the trash? <laughs> Calling it so. agape. I
2: guess so. Yeah, agape <laughs> trash, agape trash. Um all right. Here's the final question, folks, because we've all been at home all year in 2020. I know we are all itching to get out, get traveling again, jump on an airplane, maybe take a longer road trip. So if you could travel anywhere in the world at Christmas time, bringing your family with you, of course, because being together with family is the best part of Christmas. So this is McAllister style, right? They were able to pay for their whole family to go to Paris. Uh, so if you could travel anywhere in the world, At Christmas time, bringing your family with you, where would you go?
4: I know for our family, we just want to get out of the house. We've been quarantining for well over a year because of my wife, uh, her health condition. And so for us, it's just getting out of the house would be nice.
6: Last year, I said somewhere tropical and got made fun of. So this year, I'm (laughs) going to say I would go to Italy. We would go to Italy and just eat our way through the entire country.
1: Wait, why would someone make fun of you for wanting to go somewhere tropical?
6: Ask Josh. Because it's Jessica, Christmas. Yeah. It's supposed to be
0: cold. Mm-hmm.
1: That's oh, exactly oh, what I, they I said. was just thinking it could be any time of the year, but it has to be specifically it has to be Christmas. at Christmas. I, I mean, I would uh, yeah, for Christmas, not be
6: hating an for island for, for Christmas, but I go to Italy this year.
5: Italy has islands. They do. Uh, I think for us, it's Munich. Germany has these great Christmas markets. It's It's a... It, Germany is a magical place around Christmas. They The Germans take Christmas very seriously.
0: München.
6: Hmm.
5: Hogwarts. Tannenbaum.
0: Hogwarts doesn't exist, Josh. You got to pick it. somewhere real. No,
3: it's interesting. I, I was thinking uh, French Riviera, and then she said Italy, and I was like, eh, Mediterranean. I don't know.
2: So... And then you went with Universal Studios. No, I meant <laughs> that was like so, I meant so sad. So, I meant...
0: <laughs> Harry Potter world. <laughs> <That> was so <laughs> sad.
2: You're like, hmm, French Riviera.
0: Oh yeah, Universal
3: work. No, I meant like the real Hogwarts. But yes, go ahead.
0: My answer is is Switzerland.
5: Mm. Mm.
1: What town?
3: Any
0: Everywhere. town. Because money's no object. <laughs> nice. <laughs>
1: All right, well, for me, I'm going to be real lame, but I'm a homebody at Christmas, and so there's no place I would rather be than Chattanooga.
6: Home for the holidays.
5: That's neat. That's neat, Brent. Way to go. Little
4: known fact, Franklin, Tennessee, was ranked the third best place to spend Christmas in the world. Wow that's fun for whoever made that list.
2: Uh, <laughs> I I'd want to go to, I'd want to go to London uh, really the, the whole, the whole UK. I think uh, I, I can imagine that they do Christmas big over there. And that would be a lot of fun uh, to see, to see the United Kingdom at Christmas time. All right. Well, there it is folks. The ERLC, the, the very first ERLC crossover megacast. Thanks everybody. I
3: wanted to take just a second to tell you about the ERLC internship program. The ERLC is dedicated to seeing each generation. Thanks everybody. I wanted to take just a second to tell you about the ERLC internship program. The ERLC is dedicated to seeing each generation engage the culture with the gospel of Jesus Christ. This means cultivating leaders that work in all spheres of culture. Our internship program exists to prepare students and young professionals with a gospel-centered, kingdom-focused perspective on the issues of everyday life. Interns come alongside ERLC staff to equip church leaders to address complex ethical issues in their communities, local churches, and to represent Southern Baptists to the United States government. We offer semester and year-long programs in both of our offices in Nashville, Tennessee and Washington, D.C., Applicants are expected to have completed at least their freshman year of college before beginning their internship, and it's one of the most important things that we do as an organization to equip the next generation to engage the culture without losing the gospel. You can find more about the internship by going to erlc.com slash internships. Thanks so much. We have really enjoyed this time. Thanks, Jeff, for putting it all together and Merry Christmas.
0: Merry Christmas.